Welcome in, welcome in, welcome once again. I am your your somewhat subdued host this week, Clinton Bonner, for of course three in, three out, a unique look at our our beloved Seattle Seahawks. We're maybe a little melancholy, maybe a little down this time after a loss to our rival Rams, one of our rivals, but we're here. We're gonna, you know, pick ourselves up and talk about it, and we're gonna get fired up for next week anyway. But Brandon, Brandon Schultz, how you doing? A tough loss to the Rams there, but how are you doing? I want to know about you, Brandon, the man. Yeah, tough loss. But why Why are you down about this? I told you on the show last week that with the 49ers Saints matchup, there was no there was no wrong way to take that game. The Saints get the loss. The Seahawks, all they have to do is take care of business throughout the last three weeks and they have a shot at the number one seed now. You know, the, 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 you know, God works in mysterious ways as they say, right. So, or the universe aligns itself or any of the things that kind of, uh, you know, amount to a uh, Calvinist, uh, look, look at a life that we have no control over our own destiny, but, but now we do, it's kind of funny, right? We lose, we lose that game and we'll talk about that game. It was, it was a mess from, from jump street and we'll get into the, into the ins and the outs and the nooks and the crannies already. And then of course we watched that, that 48, 46 back and forth. That game was kind of messy in its own right anyway with the with the Rams and the Niners. But yeah, it does set up kind of nicely. I mean, I know we're gonna I know we're gonna get into the Rams game, but you know, now we go, we gotta go battle a the Panthers who are, you know, they they look they look to be a pretty, pretty ineffective team right now. Then of course we can get back uh, to home and just beat the Cardinals. So I, I don't know, it sets up pretty nice that week 17 should matter and should matter a whole lot. So you know what, Brandon? You're already cheering me up. You're already bringing that, bringing me back. And this is what three in, three out's all about. You're bringing me back to the positive side, and I thank you for that, Brandon. Thank you for bringing some some silver lining to this this very very gray day that I'm experiencing here in Connecticut. All I'm trying to say is that the game and the loss to the Rams didn't really matter, and our Seahawks played like it. Yeah, they certainly did. They certainly did. And and you're 100 percent right about that. They just they came out flat, which is kind of weird for for the NFL. We know we do see it, but we don't normally see that with a Pete Carroll team. Or you see them come out flat and they turn it around after the first half. But you know the Seahawks defense, they turn it around in the third quarter. And I I know we might be getting to some of these things, but the offense just wasn't there along with the defense to make that uh, to bring that energy to make the turnaround happen that we normally see. Yeah, typically you'll see one side pick up the other side and and it's actually kind of rare that we have like all three parts of our game firing on all cylinders just hasn't happened that much this year yet for the Seahawks. And this game it just didn't happen, did not manifest itself. And even when the defense did start to hold their own, you know, after the first half there, wait, it took quite a while for for the Rams to get any more points after the first half and we just could not do anything in, in a real positive way. We will get into all that of course. You're listening to 3 and 3 out. I'm Clinton Bonner. You can follow me uh, out on Twitter at Clinton Bond. Brandon, why don't you tell the good folks how to catch all of your podcasts and all of your shows and where to follow you, of course. Yeah, subscribe to the podcast, SBNation.com slash NFL podcast. You can follow on Twitter at Seahawkers Pod. Excellent. So, and, and you really should do that. Go, there's, there's, listen, even after a tough game, Brandon slugs it out and puts out a great reaction show. And then he's, he's doing, you know, he's doing cross crossover pods. He's, he's putting out tons of great content. And of course, the Seahawkers pod with Adam every single week. It's just, I still love this era that we're living in. Cause I hearken back to when I was like an eight or nine year old kid growing up on long Island, having to like scrap newspapers to get any sort of slice of what the Seahawk game was like. And now we have, we have this where we could participate and 
put out great content, listen to great content, and absorb as much Seahawks content as we possibly want to. So just a huge fan of this golden era of Seahawks content. And you know what, Brandon, we, we, we know we have one rule on this podcast. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say it. And we know that when we win, we start with an N. We did not get the victory. So we got to, we, you know, if we're going to live, we got to live by the rules we set out for ourselves. So we lose. We got to start with an out. Let's hop on over. Let's, let's just, let's face the music and let's talk about this first out. All right, Brandon. So we are starting with an out after this, this disappointing loss, moving us down to 10 and three. Listen, it's, it's, the world's not over here. The sky's not falling. 10 and three is still a pretty damn good record. It's actually a pretty fantastic record and we still control our own destiny. However, there were some things that were just beyond head scratchers and things that, that, you know, People are, of course, are going to talk about the drops, and that was that was uh, happening quite a bit, not helping Russ out. But on three and three out, I like to look. We like to look at some of the things that are a little bit sometimes deeper. Man, for me, Brandon, the first thing that stood out was I don't think this gentleman's having, I would say, a very good year. I'd put it into like he's been average at best, in my opinion, and he's been to me. He's looked kind of slow, and he's I wouldn't say confused, just maybe not athletic enough at this point in his career to kind of pick things up as quickly as, as we'd like them to. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of dropping a few hints here, wonder, wondering if you're picking up what I'm putting down. But for me, I thought Mike Upati, I think I thought he was exposed this game. I know they have a, a tough front seven and they got some speed on the edges. But boy, oh boy, man, when, when they were running stunts, it seemed to me like Upati was just too slow to either recognize or a combination of just at this age, not being quick enough to kind of shift over during a stunt, there were at least two times. There was one early in the game and one late third quarter where the Rams stunted, they blew past Upati, and it was a super fast sack on Russ where he had nowhere to go because the pressure was right up the gut off of the stunts. For me, Upati wears the big out. I was just disappointed. Pass protection across the board was not good, and I thought Upati was the biggest culprit. Yeah, the the pass protection in this game, and I mean, with the guys on the offensive line, I, I felt like you could have gone just about any direction except for one. And Upati, with allowing two sacks in this game, uh, three pressures overall, he had a penalty as well. I thought he even yep. had two penalties, but uh, just seeing one on the stat sheet here, uh, maybe one of them came, was declined, so uh, that wouldn't show up, but... Uh, just a rough day for Mike Upati, and it's kind of hard to crush a guy for having a rough day against uh, a Los Angeles Rams front, uh, but they are going to face tough guys, especially in the middle as you get into the playoffs, as you come back and you face the San Francisco 49ers again in Week 17, and and you're going to need those guys to have that performance that we've maybe come to expect over the last few weeks. I know earlier on in the season, the offensive line, they, they were having a hard time, but it felt like it was starting to come together. And then in this game, it takes a bit of a step back. And that's the big thing too. Like it, it it's, I'm sure the word's been tossed around all week, uh, you know, post post this game, but it, it definitely felt like a fairly major regression across the board and it was sloppy and it, and we were not fast and the pressure, you know, the pressure on Russ was, was many times like near immediate. I remember Geez, like it's two seasons ago now. We had that uh that <laughs> the first preseason game. I want to say it was like against the Raiders or something like that. And this was like Solari's first game. And I remember like the first couple of series, and Russ, of course, was not even on the field. Um, and it was just like immediate, 
like jailbreak type stuff. We were like, holy crap, what's going yeah. on? Like this, this is even worse than cable. Of course it wasn't. And of course it got a lot better. And of course we have been better. Um, this is just under a magnifying glass and it's got recency bias. And if it's a deep cut and you know, the Rams are, are pouring, pouring the salt in there now, cause they're, they're, they're maybe getting hot at the right time here. But with all those things, it did, it did. It felt like that regression. And I agree with you. There's other, there are some other folks across this line that certainly could be tagged and to wear this out or the collective unit could. But for me, just it, it's, it's, it kind of comes down for me that for with you potty, it's kind of like slowness of feet. Yeah. You know, it's like, I know this is a big dude. I know he can move guys. I understand he's been a pro bowler and, and he's, he's a good professional. I get all that. It just seemed to me that when they brought some speed on those stunts, he just did not have lateral movement to get back over to disrupt it whatsoever. And it just left Russ in a position where what's he supposed to do? Like, he's, and it was also one of those things where if he tried, he, he couldn't step up because the pressure was coming from the stunts. And then usually it was a breakdown, you know, it'd be like, okay, well, great. But you know, if didn't do much better and his dude's about to crash down on Russ too. So he can't even do a little pirouette and spin out. It was, it was a no win situation. So, but again, I'm going to give it to you potty and just say of the entire line. I thought, I thought he was kind of the, the underperformer. All right, Brandon, but this is three in, three out. You know, listen, we are 10 and three. Again, the sky is not falling. We're not, we're not chicken little here. We're not going around screaming and, and worrying and complaining. We're still a damn good football team. We're still in really good position. And there were elements, there were things that I thought were, were looking good. I'm going to start with one here, uh, this first in, Brandon. I don't think anybody's talking about this. In fact, the the stuff that I do here is more towards the negative side, and, and so it might it might catch some blockers, you know, a little little uh little off guard here. I'm gonna say this: I understand that Tyler Lockett wasn't, you know, did not have a huge game stat wise. Totally get that. I understand he didn't have he did, didn't jump off the page with the number of targets, the number of catches. I get all that. What I will say is I'm gonna give it in because I think Lockett looked a hell of a lot more like Tyler Lockett when he was involved than we have seen since he got that compartment leg injury. He looked faster. He looked more aggressive. He was involved in a lot more plays. And I know it's tough to look through that haze of, of getting really getting your ass kicked by a rival like this when he doesn't have a big game. I know it's like, well, man, what, do you, what are you pointing to? Go back and watch some of the plays that he was involved. First play of the game, they do a little bubble screen out to him. They, they clearly wanted to get him, get him some touches. But there were several plays throughout the game where he was finding uh, soft spots in zones, 12-yard completions, 15-yard completions, hauling him in, and just looking quicker off the line of scrimmage. If we're going to go deep in the playoffs, make a run, maybe get to Super Bowl again, Lockett's got to be Lockett. I'm not saying he's 100%. I'm saying he's on a good path to get back there and get healthy and get 100% for this last run. I'm super encouraged by that. And it might be a bit of a weird in for some, but Lockett gets an in. I think the dude is bouncing back at the right time of year. Well, and it does, it does feel like he's on his way back after that injury. And I a hundred percent agree with you in terms of needing him for the stretch run. We even saw it on one play in particular where he got the catch. It looked like he just was able to get under the the arms of the tackler. And if not for a bad spot in that particular situation, I can see why they spotted the ball back a little bit. But uh, I think if Pete Carroll would have taken another look at it, that might have been a first down. It was kind of late in the game to where I don't know if it necessarily 
would have mattered that much, and, and maybe that's why you don't challenge it in that situation. But uh, Tyler Lockett looked like he had a first down, and if he's catching passes for first downs, uh, Josh Gordon can't catch all those. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess we can't throw that many to Josh Gordon that he, that he could catch. It, but it's funny, when we do throw, th- it's one of these things, we do throw to Josh Gordon a third down, he seems to convert, but maybe maybe we'll circle back to that. But I do want to say this too. You mentioned that 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 challenge, you know, that that uh, Pete Carroll not challenging that, and you mentioned it was kind of late. Actually, it was not. It was it was the second quarter. It was oh, fourteen. Wow. To, it was fourteen to three at that point, where you know, and and that was third down, and that's when we end up going to Turner on the fourth and one, and he just he gets the Mamba dropsies, and we get, we turn the ball over. And I did have Pete on the outside of the ledger for not challenging that spot. And I didn't make it in the top three. It was one of the ones I had kind of uh, jotted down throughout the game. And then I saw, you know, some tweets that like, oh, you can see by this angle, his knee was down. Yeah, his knee might've been down, but I haven't seen, I don't know. I haven't seen video where his knee is down and he's touched before he rolls forward. I I still contest. I think he might've at least been a hell of a lot closer than where they spotted that ball. It's like they spotted it where like a, you know, a, a quarterback would have slid. It's like, well, he didn't give himself up. Like, sure, yeah. his knee touched, but I don't think he, people were touching his back at that point. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's some video evidence out there, but I'm with you. So Lockett looked, here's the one word, right? He looked shiftier. He looked more like himself. He was able to kind of slide into positions. He was able to hit crevices, find zones, and do it with speed, and then catch what was thrown to him. I'm just bullish on him finishing the season really, really strong. You know, I, I would look for an explosive, big, big game, maybe not versus Carolina. We, just, we haven't tended to score a lot of points on the road in Carolina, so I'm not sure we buck that trend. Let's just go win that game. But the game after that, when we get back home versus Arizona, that's the kind of game where I see like a really big tune-up to head into week 17. And I'm very, very happy that from what I saw from Lockett. So even in this crappy performance versus the Rams, there are things to pull out that I think set us up for a brighter future and Lockett is definitely one of those things yeah the 43 yards it gets him that much closer to a couple personal milestones that I have a feeling he's going to be able to hit going down this stretch just needs 92 yards over the next three games to have his career high for yards in a season only needs to average 42 yards per game so a little over 120 yards over the next three weeks total to break a thousand receiving yards, and that would put him at just the eighth player in Seahawks franchise history to break a thousand yards. Make me a fool, Tyler. Go do it this week coming up versus the Panthers. Make me look like a fool. Back on over to the outside of the ledger here, Brandon. This is one of those games where my, my ledger, I was running out of some ink. I was <laughs> the, the, the out ledger is deep, deep and mighty. The ins, eh, yeah, the ins are, are yeah. When when we lose, the ins are a little thin. Let's put it that way. But the uh, but the outs, boy, oh boy, are, are there are there quite a number here. So you know, there again, there's some glaring things. We like the pass pro that we hit hit on just before, and then Brandon, there's some things that maybe are not so glaring, and maybe just kind of like a bit head scratching and a bit like just you know, just from a from a fan perspective, you get annoyed. You just get annoyed watching this, and I would chalk this one up. This big out. I don't know who this out goes to. So so I'm gonna I'm gonna actually I'm gonna pass it to you in terms of who gets this out, but I'm gonna mm. give you why this is an out. And then you could you could just crown it however you want to. But if I see another friggin' jet sweep go for like a minimum of eleven yards, I was it was gonna be like one of those YouTube videos where, you know, dad throws uh expensive TV through window and then cries. <laughs> like 
I was, I was on, you know, nobody was filming me, so I was not there to do it, but, but I'm standing up like just screaming, you know, like I kids sleeping upstairs. So I was pissed off. I just can't understand for the life of me how we could walk into a game where we know this team runs the most with wide receivers. They basically brought the jet sweep back in two years ago into the NFL responsible for why we see so many jet sweeps and we don't defend it well. Like, I don't even think, I think, I think I remember one time where we kind of carried down the line and maybe it was green. I forget who. And we, we defend the jet sweep every other time. And maybe I'm making that up. It seemed like every single time there was a jet sweep, it was like a run for a first down, like a run for at least seven, nine, 10, 12, 15 yards. How is that possible when this team is responsible for bringing the jet sweep back to the NFL? This was a tough one for me to try and really pick as to who it would be because part of it depends on what side they're going to. Part of it, I think the the person to give it to would be the defensive coordinator in this situation because this is something that we know the Rams did. And I think in the last game against the Rams, the Seahawks had kind of told themselves, hey, we're not going to we're not going to bite on those fakes as much. And so now going into this game. I think it was an emphasis for the Rams to say, okay, they weren't going to bite on all of our motion in this last game. Let's actually do the handoff instead of just, you know, have it be that kind of motion that is just there to distract the defense. And yeah, I guess you got to give it to coach Norton. So I felt it too. They had five of those jet sweeps and Robert Woods had two of them. Josh Reynolds had three, both those guys finished with 29 yards rushing and I think that uh, they may have gotten the idea to do it after seeing what Stefan Diggs did in the Minnesota Vikings game. So definitely frustrating and definitely deserves an out in this game. And, and I, I'm, I'm good. I'm fine with the placement of putting that at, at uh, you know, Ken Norton Jr.'s feet there. It, it, was, it was just kind of insult to injury. It's like it's one thing if they're lining up and Gurley ran the ball well and I feel like the Rams blocked pretty pretty well and they – they were just kind of, you know, for, for say it like it is, they, they, they kind of kicked our butts and they kind of beat us at our own game in, in many ways there. Um, and then you start to see these jet sweeps where you just, you just can't do anything about them. And, and you, you just seem like it's not even lifeless. You seem like hopeless. Like, you, like we don't have a chance out here. And, and that's frustrating. You know, we, I think, to, I think toe to toe, I still think we're a better team than the Los Angeles Rams. Um, we just did not show it that time. And, and to me, the jet sweep, the, the ineptitude to recognize and defend against it was like a perfect microcosm of, of everything that was going wrong in this game. It's like, man, you, you know, they're doing it. They did it, but you said five times that we could never, ever defend it. It was just something that stood out to me. And as a Seahawks fan, it just irritated me so, so much. I'm still irritated. I'm still red <laughs> thinking about just watching, you know, Reynolds go around. It's like Reynolds doesn't catch many passes, but you know. Sure as heck is and the ball as is in motion. And he's gone for nine yards again. It was super frustrating. So I, I was trying to find somebody with some, a bunch of missed tackles to pin it on. They had six missed tackles on the game. Looking at the names on it. I don't think it was, you could really pin it on any one of those particular guys as to allowing for it. And really when you go back and you watch the games, it wasn't that they were missing tackles. It was just, they were, <laughs> they were getting it no. and they had all kinds of space and room to run. Every single time. It's like every time like they, they were not getting hit. Sometimes it was like dudes were just like getting out of bounds after getting 12 yards, like never got hit. Just OK, that was enough. Again, it's usually some things we do to teams where it's like, oh, you didn't touch our running back until it was two, three yards downfield. How does that feel? 
Well, how does seven, eight, nine yards downfield feel on every single damn jet sweep? So it's just, it's, it's one of those things. And Hey, if, if the Rams are to make a, make a playoff run. And if we're, if we are to see them in the playoffs again, it's one of those things where what we just put on tape, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they ran it, you know, nine times next time, because the success was so, so freaking good. So hopefully, hopefully if we get another crack at the Rams, we button that up, but it wears the out for this one. I know there's some bigger glaring things, but that one just irked the crap out of me. Especially when they do it on back-to-back plays. Oh, like, I that forgot was... about that. <laughs> oh, daggers. That was right. It was, two, was it two back-to-back first downs? It was also, two right? back-to-back first downs even. And it's you almost never see that in the NFL where they run the same play in back-to-back plays. It's like a rule that you only are able to do that in Madden and not on yeah. the actual <laughs> NFL football field. And, and they did it to us. They did it twice in a row. I wouldn't have been surprised if they ran it a third time either. You know, I, I wouldn't have blamed them. That, that's the thing. You know, when you, when you said five times, I was like, oh, I thought it was at least 72. That, that's how <laughs> that's how often it felt like. And yeah, you, you hit it, man. I forgot about the back to back. It makes it. But I but I now remember, of course, it was even even the fourth quarter. Yeah. We had to get the ball back and we, we couldn't. So, all right, it's an out. It's enough on the friggin jet sweeps. If we do see them again, maybe rerun a couple and we cram it down their cram hole, you know? If you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball, and let's get to a break because, fortunately, going into the break now, Clinton, uh, we have two ends on the backside of this break, so let's get to it. All right, silver linings. Okay, Brandon, we're back on the inside of the ledger, and again, there were some things that I did think were A-OK that I felt was, you know, that were Seahawky that felt good, and I got one right here, so I always like to paint the scene for you a little bit. We're down 21 to three. It's the, it's the, you know, it's the third quarter and it's second and 10. You have not had a lot of success up until that point. Cause of course they put up 21 in the first half, but that we talked, we touched on it a bit earlier that third quarter, our defense actually played really, really well in that third quarter. And this particular sequence, it was a second and 10 play. Gurley gets the ball. Clowney comes down the line and just destroys Gurley blows him up. It was one of the, the the jump out of the seat plays of the entire day, and it makes it third and 10. And the reason why it's so significant is the very next play, we see Queem on the field. We see Shaquem Griffin. He gets pressure. You know, Goff does what Goff does when he has any sort of pressure. He puts it up. We got Quandre Diggs with nobody in front of him with a pick six, and, and, and we're back in the game at that point to make it 21 to nine. That play by Clowney even in a bad loss, I got to give the love and give to in to Clowney for blowing up Gurley on that play. Yeah, I want to say, too, that Bradley McDougal was on in on that play as well, helped, helped to blow that up. So, That's right. yeah, it was actually a second and five play, and it went back to third and ten because he was stuffed so far in, in the backfield. There was a, a penalty on Robert Woods on that play, too. They end up declining it just because it was... Uh, it, it was such a loss that it wasn't worth taking the penalty in that situation to see Shaquem Griffin in there and causing pressure. He didn't just get pressure on Goff on that particular play. He was in there getting pressure on him on his next interception too, where he was going deep for Brandon Cooks. So the fact that Shaquem Griffin only played nine snaps in this game and was able to get the kind of pressure on two of those plays to force Jared Goff into some bad throws I, I still like what I'm seeing from Griffin. Uh, maybe he needs some more snaps. I, I We talked about it with Rasheem Green last week, and you know, he had a good play in this game as well. 
Yeah. So a couple of things there. A, thank you for calling me out on that. That's right. I forgot. I got that McDougal was the one that kind of came in and got the tackle for the loss after Clowney blew it up. And I forgot that it was second and five. They actually did get the five and they blew him back five yards to right. get him to third and 10. So good job on calling those out. And yeah, you know, if he's doing nine snaps and he's effective on two plays right there, that that's enough for, for, you know, a D end who, whose job is just, just go be disruptive. And Brandon, I've got this third out queued up that definitely hits on uh, the lack of Shaquem. So why don't we bounce on over to that and get to that final out? Okay, Brandon, you just mentioned it and good job calling that out that when Shaquem was out there, two out, at least two out of nine times, he was causing some massive disruption. The two interceptions were, were plays in which he put pressure on Goff. It was such a easy thing, in my opinion, to plan for. And it just seemed to me, Brandon, that there was so much tape and so much evidence out there that if you get Goff off his spot, he becomes a bottom third, if not like bottom fifth quarterback. He has one of the worst QB, you know, QBRs in the entire league when he's under some form of duress. So Shaquem only getting, you know, nine snaps. And and I want to just wrap that into the bigger out for me is, man, oh man, did we have to go back to playing you know, three linebackers and playing base this entire, pretty much the entire freaking game. I understand that Kendricks was out and they got Cody Barton in and all week long we hear, you know, once, once you know, Kendricks was, was uh, in danger of, of not starting and, and, you know, sitting for the game. And we heard in Pete's pressers throughout the week that he, that Barton was viewed as like the number one cover linebacker. Okay. I get all that. The dude's still a rookie. Hasn't played much you know, to this point, and yet we're out there in in a four three basic base defense for the majority of this game, getting no pressure on Goff, not taking any chances, not really doing much from a blitzing perspective. Goff stays super duper clean, and we make a very very you know underwhelming quarterback look look like a gunslinger, and it was just sick to my stomach watching that. That again, we might have talked about, uh, you know, Ken Norton Jr. owning the out on the jet sweeps. This one sticking in base defense the whole friggin' game and not bringing in, you know, dynamic players like Shaquem to get more snaps when all we have to do is knock Goff off his spot. I was sick to my stomach. I'm still kind of irritated. In fact, no, I am still sick to my stomach about the lack of vision just to understand, like, hey, every other team who's disrupted this team. It just made it a point to get to Goff. We did no such thing. We got burnt for it. Yeah, and I know this, it seems to be going back to Coach Norton a lot in this game and the defense, but I guess overall when you look at the fact that the Rams score 28 points in this game, it's their lowest point total scored since Pete Carroll faced off against Sean McVay in that first game in the 2017 season. I think it was week five. So for them to hold them to 28 points, it's hard to, I, I know we keep putting it on the defense, but it's kind of hard for me to to keep hammering out on the defense when there was so much production that was needed on the offensive side of the ball. I get what you're saying too about the the style of defense. Akeem King, they, they cut Taylor a, a few weeks back. Akeem King supposedly going to be the guy to put out there, and he's only out there for eight snaps. And when you have a guy like Tyler Higby that's just running all over this defense yeah. and find them wide open spots, you can't find a way to get Akeem King on the, the on the Rams tight end. I, I'm a little frustrated by it too. Yeah, and and I and I get it. Like 28 points doesn't seem like that much, and it was one of those things. But also, you know, it's 21-3 at the half. 
you know, we we definitely played a better second half. The, the third quarter being, I thought, by far the best we played defensively. And there were plenty of moments that we were giving the offense an opportunity to help us get back in the game. And the defense had the only you know, the only touchdown. So I, I definitely get all that. And yet with that, it, it's just there was so much tape out there that just, I think, simplified this to say, you know, get get Goff dirty. Do what you need to do to bring pressure on Goff. Make that the one thing you do well, and the game will go your way. And we just didn't do it. So I was I was very, very, you know, still frustrated with that. Yes, there are plenty of frustrations on the offensive side. I'm personally not that upset with Russ Wilson, not because I have like Pollyanna eyes or think he played a particularly good game. I just think he got so little help. I think there were so many key drops in key moments that going into the preseason, we talked about this with like, hey, who's going to take that that Doug Baldwin spot when it's like you need that third down conversion and Baldwin is, you know, and Baldwin is just so damn good and doesn't really drop anything. And for most of the year, it's been Lockett. You know, for most of the year, it's been like, hey, Lockett is doing all the things Baldwin did. He's even doing other, you know, certain things uh, better. And and once Lockett got hurt, once we once we lost that 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 go to third down guy, we have inconsistencies. This game, unfortunately, Turner dropped a couple of balls. Well, Turner had two bad ones. Right, he had the fourth and one that he dropped. Then mm-hmm. he had that slant in the end zone where he just doesn't look up in time. Yeah, it's like it's there's plenty you could say about about Russ. But he was under duress. He had a scramble for his life. And then they had drops and or just wide receivers just not having their head literally in the game when they needed to, where he could have had a much, much better day. Hollister had a terrible drop as well. So I feel you. I think there are there are certain things about the offense that just did did not click and there was no flow. And for me, it was just like, hey, wide receiver and tight end group, you just just drop the damn ball. All right, Brandon, we got one more in. And again, there's some some silver linings here in a game where we we pretty much just just get you know get get tossed around by the Rams here. I'll give you this one. It's quarter three. There's about six minutes to go. We get the field goal block, which I just forgot about until just now. We get we get the big field goal block. And there's two plays in a row where, you know, we just don't give up on who we are, even though, even though we're down quite a bit and it's the third quarter. It was a Carson seven-yard run followed up immediately by a Carson third-yard run and a first down. I I understand the drive, you know, didn't go anywhere after that. I get that. I understand we didn't put points up for the rest of this game. I understand all that. I was just encouraged that we didn't give up on the identity of the team, didn't like have Russ throwing the ball 55 times. We were still trying to just get back in the game with what we do well. It just wasn't paired up with with good execution that like we just talked about with wide receivers and tight ends, just dropping, dropping balls in a loss. Yeah. We could dwell on what just happened or we could look, you know, we could look to the weeks ahead. We we're going to Carolina. I think Carolina has, if not the worst yards per carry, you know, they're basically the worst team against the run losing penny. That sucks. Penny was looking good. Even on the play that he caught and got hurt on, he looked beautiful, looked fluid, looked like he was going to, you know, be a game changer once again for us. He's out for the year. That stinks. With that, you know, I still like the way that Carson ran the ball when he had his opportunities, when we blocked well. And as we head into this game against Carolina, I think Carson is going to get a monster workload, something like 25, 25 to 30 touches. And I think he's going to be somewhere in that 120 to 150 range with with one or two touchdowns. 
I still like the fact that we can run the ball against good defensive fronts. And Brandon, with all that, I'm bullish that we're still going to run the ball really well going down the stretch and heading into the playoffs. I like where you're going with this, Clinton, and I know you're trying to work really hard to find an in here for to give to Chris Carson, and I respect you. I respect that this is your show. It's your idea, but this is one of your worst ends that I've ever heard. This is terrible. <laughs> I, love, I, I, love, I, know, I love that. I know you're trying to be positive with this. You know what? If you want to go where I, I believe you should go with the final in, let's give the in to Ugo freaking Amati for his hustle on the special teams play at the end of the game. And we see David Moore muff the punt. Ugo Amati comes in and scoops up that football, saving us, saving the Seahawks. They had a four-game stretch going where they coughed up the football, gave it to the other team with a fumble. It was Ugo Amati that ended the four-game stretch of fumbling the football and giving it over to the opponent. Two things there for me, Brandon. Love you calling me out there. That That's freaking fantastic. But t- let's talk in a week. Next week, let's talk about what did Chris Carson do against against the Panthers? I'm betting it's going to be big, and we're going to harken back to some of these moments But when it looks so dark, it looks so crappy, and we're still getting seven yards per carry. And I know Carson didn't have a, a big game, but you know, let me have that one. And, and Ugo Amadi, you're 100% correct. I think I had like tweeted or put in the Slack channel that something like, you know what? I did not miss Tyler Lockett returning punts whatsoever. Moore had done a really bang-up job. He's been uh, he's been a consummate professional out there. No worries whatsoever. And then, of course, like maybe 20 minutes after I send that out, it's just booted and the ball takes a, it just skyrockets to his left. And Ugo Amadi flies in and, and saves a day. It was one of those things where you start to sink back to the couch and you're like, th- you know, you're, you're thankful that Ugo came through and, and just scooped the frigging ball back up and dove on it. But it was just one of those things where, man, oh, man, where. It's like, why don't you kick my dog while we're at it type thing, right? So, you know what, Brandon? I'm I'm okay with that. I'm okay with you taking that in and ripping it away from Carson saying, <laughs> not deserved, stupid in, give it to Ugo. I'm fine with that. You say it's, you say it's my show, it's our show. That in, it's over to Ugo. Well, Clinton, I, I'm a little bit surprised that, uh, like Chris Carson, you were you were able to allow me to strip that last in away from you so easily. <laughs> I could be very, very sweet. I'm I'm okay with that. I I you know even when I wrote the darn thing down, I was like, ah, eh, I'm not sure if this in's gonna stick or not. So it, it's okay. You, you want to blast me on a third in on a game where where we get demolished by the Rams. I'm okay with that. It's, it's my it's, worry yeah. is that it was going to you know much like how our third out ends up becoming an in. I felt like our last in was going to end up becoming an out because the way that they use Chris Carson, you know, they get the first down on two straight drives. They have the pass to Hollister to cross midfield. And then it was three straight plays. Had they gone back to Carson in that, in, in that third quarter and continued to run the ball, they were having pretty good success running the ball against the Rams. You know, maybe they don't end up in that type of situation where you cross the field and you're having to rely on Russell Wilson on a third and seven, you know, run the ball a couple more times and, and get that much closer and try and get some momentum going where it just wasn't there with the pass. So I, you know, part of it was just my, my worry that our, our third in was going to come into, it was going to become an out. And I just, I, I had to go with Ugo in the, in the, in the spur of the moment. That's okay. It's 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 okay to to call an audible sometimes, you know, in in life. And it's also nice that you kind of came back to it and you kind of made it out anyway. It's nice. <laughs> so, so so I'm not sure if you were really fearful of it or you or wanted to make the uh, make the point that it really was that extra out. And I'm with you. That first drive resulted in, in the three nothing lead for Seattle. It was probably the most fluid we looked the entire game. In fact, it must have been the most fluid. It yeah. stunk. It stunk that we couldn't punch it in. 
but that was a good looking drive. We got out of the gate strong. We were running the ball. We had, we had, you know, quickly on this too, the thing that looked pretty fine and why I'm not mad at Russ and why I wasn't so mad at the offense was I thought we had like the quick hitting over the middle pass play thing happening again. It wasn't all this stuff that had to be uh, stretch plays down the field, like uh, like Bevel style, you know, like uh, low, low uh, percentage plays uh, that are on the sidelines. There was tons of, you know, seven, eight, 12 yard uh, passes that were exposing and, and going over the middle. It's just that we dropped a bunch of them. Yeah. And, it, and that, so it wasn't like, I felt the play calling was there. I felt the execution was just crap. So again, bullish, the silver lining, going to play a pretty crappy Carolina team. I'm bullish about that. Speaking about being bullish about things, I'm always bullish about the flock, always bullish about the segment from the flock where we, we reach in and we ask and we, we go out there and say, hey, flock, whether you're on Twitter, hit us with 3i30, whether you're on Slack and you're part of the Seahawkers pod ring of honor, so you get invited to the Slack channel, so you're out there on Facebook. You know, If you go to getintheflock.com, you can find out how to become a patron and join the flock. All good things you should go do. And I'm always bullish about from the flock. But Brandon, I will say it was a little light this week. We didn't have so many, and I get it. You know, people don't like to talk after a loss, especially a crappy loss. We didn't have so many contributions, but why don't we talk about the ones we did have? Yeah, let's start off with Garen Taylor. He was in our Facebook Ring of Honor group, and he says, in Quandre Diggs, out. Receivers could not catch the ball. Out. Offensive line could not stop Russell from getting sacked. Out. No run game. Out. Defensive line could not stop the run. Out. Secondary could not cover anyone. Out. No pass rush. Out. Coach not able to adjust. Out. We made Goff look good. Out. Staying in base defense too much. Out. Linebackers unable to cover. Out. Defense not able to cover anyone close. Always five yards off the player. And there's about 10 more outs here, Clinton. I could run down through them all, but I think we've got it covered from Garen. Oh, Garen, you know, you know that you ever see that, that, uh, that gif of like Jim Carrey, where he's like throwing up in his mouth. I think it's from Ace Ventura. And I, what, as you're rattling those, my, my stomach's turning. I'm just getting all like, oh, this is, this is brutal. And it's all correct. That's, that's, it's, it's, it's the opposite of it's funny because it's true. Like it's, it's making me throw up. Well, I guess it's not the opposite. It's just, it sucks because it's true, which would not be the opposite. And Garen, good job pinpointing all those. We had, we had, there was, you know, as you might imagine there, Brandon, the, there were definitely more outs than there were ins late, late at our feet this time. And we got one from Christopher Rolf at agent of Bolas at on Twitter. He goes out to Turner, dropping that fourth and one pass. He's right. We talked about that earlier. That was so freaking crucial. That was right after the, what we think is still a bad spot on that locket play where he, where right. he might've snuck through and then he just drops a ball. Oh, and wh- you know what? On that one, I want to give an additional out. To freaking Al Michaels. Al Michaels couldn't wait to say that Jalen Ramsey broke up that play. Then they they come back from the break and he's like, oh, after the breakup by Ramsey, he (laughs) he broke up nothing. The ball was in his hands. Malik has been a a solid player for us. He's having a good year. I like what we see from the guy, for the most part, being clutch in his opportunities. Al freaking Al Michaels. Come on, dude. He just dropped the ball. Don't give glory to Ramsey. Ramsey was a good, good, you know, half a body, half a furlong behind freaking uh, Malik. Malik just dropped the freaking ball. Al Michaels, I am, I am not happy with you. Big out for you. How about an in for Al Michaels? Maybe he is like a closet Malik Turner fan and he just want, didn't want to embarrass him on national television and, and because he could give props to Jalen Ramsey and, uh, and without consequence. You know what? You called me out for my worst in of all time. That That's the worst freaking thing I ever heard you say. <laughs> well, here we have an in from Kevin Moore. This, this one made me laugh a little bit. This one came from our Facebook group. And Kevin says, in 
Even Wilson's deep ball interceptions are kind of sexy. <laughs> it's true. They just had that nice arc. You know, it, it's what's good for the goose is good for the gander. If it's easy because he throws a, a catchable ball, uh, which he does. I don't, I don't even know why I did air quotes. Wilson throws a very catchable ball. The way it kind of just descends, nose pointing down, makes it easy to catch. Very sexy deep ball. Even that that beautiful arc towards the end of the game, and I was pissed too because I'm like, oh man, he gets he gets an int on that when it's like one of those plays where you're in the pocket, you just gotta huck it deep. You don't have much of a choice, and you chalk up an int, and it looks crappy on the stats. I was actually listening to a, a fantasy football podcast this morning, and they're like, oh, you know, Russell Wilson has you know this many games in a row with an int. I'm like, he didn't throw a pick last game. Then I'm like, yes, he did. Right, that, stu- that stupid sexy deep ball. Well, Kevin. Thank you for bringing out the sexy deepness. We, we always appreciate that. And before we keep on going with our From the Flock segment, I, I mentioned I had a review uh, for us, Clinton, and I wanted to read it. If you want to leave a review for us on the Field Goals feed, please do. They're always welcome. I'll always check them out. And this one comes in from Danish07DNA on Apple Podcasts. says, I like the onion strings. Five stars. They're crunchy. <laughs> wonderful so this is this tickles the this warms the cockles this tickles the cockles this does everything because i think this is uh correct me if i'm wrong here brandon but i think it's the first review that was targeted towards three and three out so that 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 means a lot to me i mean the person has a terrible take with uh with the onion strings and then we're <laughs> going to hear about that again that's fine uh they're trash you just, just scrape them to the side they're kind of gross it's all good but the review that is a that is a five-star review and it makes me it makes me uh you know i'm blushing a little bit that's how it makes me feel that that someone took the time to write a review for three and three out this little this little side idea that's that's a couple of years uh, in the making now yeah the the fact that our take on the onion strings uh carried the day uh, in that particular episode that it even it even brought someone to leave uh, even even though they disagreed with you it brought on a five star review so i got to love that i love it it's it's the, it's the it's funny little things like that you know we we could sit here and, and talk seahawks football you know until we're blue in the face and sometimes we do and it and it's a ton of fun and you you know you put out one one uh apparently controversial food take around thanksgiving and and watch out but but i'm appreciative it's it's fun to see it and yeah, I'd welcome any review, whether it's about food or not. Heck, it just you know, lay it on us. Moving on over to another out from Nathan Walsh. He also gives Diggs the in. See, a lot of people want to give Diggs the in with the two interception game. A, be- a really nice game for Quandre Diggs. And I don't think we can recognize that enough. But the out for Nathan, he flew into this game from Australia. He Oof. says flying 7,500 miles to see the Seahawks not even turn up. To sit in an expensive and Catfish. seat to put up with <laughs> stupid Rams fans who are not even paying attention to the game, saying whose house, Rams house, like a bunch of Muppets for beers that cost the equivalent of one organ on the black market. Just everything. Never again. But what I do like about our loss is if there's something to like is, the, is that it really brings up the snark. You really <laughs> could feel like our snark. You know, we have the hawkra, the hawkra when when we're when we're vibing and we're feeling good, yeah. and we're winning. The hawkra is all you know, full with the good juju. And then when we lose, which thankfully is, is less less frequent than when we win, uh, the snark really comes out. So I do appreciate that from Nathan. I know I know he traveled far and wide to get there. And yeah, I mean, you're dealing with fans in L.A. L.A. is just, it's such a superficial town. You got you know you got a Dodgers team that hasn't lost for like 20 freaking years. They show up in the fourth inning, leave in the seventh inning. They're known for that. Ugh, I, I just I couldn't despise LA more. 
Okay, Brandon, we got Schmick out on Twitter at Mickey Swank out, not utilizing Gordon for big downs like that fourth down or red zone opportunities. He's got the best hands on the team. Give him more chances. I think this is a pretty good call out, man. Like, hey, when we do throw the ball to Flash to Josh Gordon, typically on a slant, I don't know. He seems to be catching the ball. He had one actually late in the game that that uh, Russ had a beautiful zing, like 20 yards down the middle. Once again, using that middle zone, just settling in. I don't know. When we throw the ball to Gordon, he seems to be catching it. Yeah, he had uh, two passes that went his direction where I'm trying to remember the short pass uh, that it, that was a miss kind of toward the end of the game. But then there was another pass to him where Gordon just slipped and fell down trying to come back to the ball. And it was at that point, it just, it was feeling like it wasn't the Seahawks night. Yeah. I remember that play. He was, uh, he was kind of screen, screen, uh, screen left. He was t- towards the bottom of the screen. And he just kind of slipped down on that, but that was that. Yeah. We had, we had some issues there again with, with some slippage and it was a little slick. It rained earlier that day, but we can't, we can't have any excuses. It is, it is what it is. All right, we're back to Agent of Bolas on Twitter. Christopher Rolf, he gives the in to Shaquem Griffin for finally bringing some pressure to Goff. And he says, probably causing that interception. Chris, I'm going to say, you know, he, he caused that interception. Goff was nowhere to be found. But he, he just, again, put a little bit of pressure on that guy and he crumbles. If we get a third opportunity to play this team in the playoffs, just send the house. Bet the friggin' rent. Send the house. Bring pressure. We'll win that game going away. And uh, Agent of Bolas, good job. I love that queen play. We need more of that dude. We need more of him out there. And, and I'm, I'm excited to see what he does down the stretch. Let's close this out with David Van Cleave at Super Dis Dad on Twitter. Says the only in I've got. Tyler Lockett giving a shout out to his old elementary school during player intros. <laughs> yeah, and that was it was kind of I, I love seeing that, too. I, I heard that I was just kind of settling into the chair and, you know, making sure I was there for, for kickoff. And I heard him give the give some love to the elementary school. And it made me think I'm like, oh, wow, you know, you, you just Brandon, I went to JFK and I could it was for JFK for JFK, the school we like to sing about. That was that was our song. I do not remember having any uh, elementary school songs, but uh, that's cool that you have that. And yeah. I, I think it's cool whether it's a player shouting out. I, I don't know if I've ever heard an elementary school shout out, but I know I hear the high school shout outs and I like those too. Me, me too. I like I like them getting a little a little fun with it. Why not? You don't always got to say from can't, you know, from K-State or from the U or anything like that. And hey, Brandon, I can't help it if my my elementary school was just you know far superior than yours. So there's nothing nothing I could do about that. But it was a heck of a theme song that really got all us all us fifth and sixth graders together hollering from Deer Park, New York, going to JFK. That was fun. Well, the thing might be for me is that I was never in an elementary school long enough to learn the school's theme song because uh, you know first and second grade, third and fourth grade, uh, fifth grade, all in different schools. So yeah, I just didn't have enough time to, to learn any songs. I was, I was too busy trying to get settled. And this is why you're an emotionally devoid human being this many years later. I never I... made any friends in grade school. <laughs> I understand that. And with that, there's only one thing left to say. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. If you get Goff off of his off his steps, if you get Goff off his stop spot, I want to say spot. Hold on, Jesus, these gla- these glasses don't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> they don't help your mouth at all. I'm bullish about that. Speaking about being bullish about things, we do the awesome segment three in, three out. 
Wait, that's not the segment. Speak. <laughs> 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 these, these freaking these things don't. These things don't work. 